you have to be appreciative of the gifts of life. The gift of life is a great benefit that we have from God that we did not do anything to earn. And so the psalmist says, what shall I render unto the Lord? Beloved, if you are alive today, you have to be grateful to God for your life. Sometimes when we go to bed, we think that the alarms that we put on is what wakes us up every morning. But you can put an alarm near a dead body and see what happens. The alarm can beep and beep and beep and beep for the whole day. That body will not be able to wake up. And so when you wake up every morning, it is the Spirit of God that woke you up. Not the alarm that woke you up. And so once we have the gift of life, we need to be grateful to God. It is a benefit that we enjoy. That we don't do anything to end. You might think that it's the drugs that you are taking that is keeping you alive. You might think that it's exercise that is keeping you alive. You might think that you are eating healthy food. That's why you are alive. All these things are are good. In fact, they help us to live a good life. But that is not what is giving us life. Our life comes from God. It is a gift that we have from God. All of us can, if you have ever seen a dead person before, once the body is lying there, the body is still intact. Every, you can see the hand, the eyes, the legs, everything is still intact, but it cannot move because the life that is inside of that body has left. And so once you have life inside of you, you have every cause to be thankful to God. Sometimes the devil take our eyes off the things that we have and put our eyes on the things that we do not have. And then we begin to focus on the things that we do not have. Because of that, we are not able to thank God. But this morning, just thank God for wherever you are, for everything he has done for you. As long as you are still alive, just be thankful to God because life is a gift that comes from God and we ought to be grateful for this gift. The next benefit that we enjoy is salvation. We don't do anything to end salvation. As a matter of fact, some people think that salvation is so cheap and so they want to add more requirements to salvation. But salvation is a free gift that comes from Jesus Christ without any requirement. There is no requirement to be met before you are saved. The only thing you need to do is to believe in Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and personal Savior. And the Bible says that you will be saved. So salvation is a gift. It's one of the benefits that we enjoy from God. And let's not take it for granted. If you are saved and you are delivered from the power of sin and from the power of the devil, if you are saved and you, you have confidence that one day you are going to spend eternity with God, then you have to be grateful then you have to be thankful. You have to thank God for the gift of salvation. Good health is also a gift that we enjoy. If you are alive today and you have good health, I should have said good health and healing. Let's make it good health and healing. Good health is something that we enjoy from God. We might think that the drugs uh, what is keeping us healthy. But good health is a gift. It's a blessing from God. Healing is a gift and it's a blessing from God. God heals us. The Bible says that Christ has taken away our infirmity and our weakness and our sicknesses, nailing it to the cross. And so we are healed, we are delivered, and we are sanctified, we are saved. And so let's believe that we have healing. If you are sick, just trust God for healing. 
if you are living in good health, know that it is a benefit from God that you ought to be thankful for. Nature and everything that is created. Many, some people have said that the world was not created by anyone. But it does not, I mean, it, it, it does not make sense to believe. It's like when you enter into somebody's house or you enter into somebody's room, the person has his TV hanged on the wall. The person has his couch facing a certain direction. The person has the tables and the everything in this house well arranged. And then you enter into that house and you say, all these things that you see here, they just came into existence. Not Nobody did anything to bring them into existence. It does not make sense. Nobody did anything to arrange them this way. It's just the wind that blew all these things and put them in the places that they are. It does not make sense. When you look at nature, the things that God has made, when you look at the heavens, the skies, when you look at the sea, the sea knows not to cross beyond a certain boundary because each time the sea crosses beyond a certain boundary, there is disaster. If you look at all these things, the shape of the world, and you look at how there is forest and there is seas, there is rivers, there is all these things that we see in the world, nature, the birds, everything, all the animals in the sea, some of them unthinkable. Last time we went to the aquarium and I, I said to myself, there are so many animals in the sea that we have not even discovered yet. And you look at all these things and you still say that nobody created all these things. They just came into existence. Obviously, that is not a wise conclusion. And so when you look at nature, nature is a gift that God has given us. Look at the wind that, that blows, the air that we breathe right now. The air that we, we mostly take for granted. But if we, the air should cease right now, none of us will continue to live in the next 10 minutes. But we take it for granted. We don't even, sometimes we don't even count it as some of the things that God has blessed us with. He has given us F. When you look at people who have oxygen on them and they rely on this oxygen for life, when they run out of insurance or they run out of money, that will be the end of their lives. But the air that we breathe is a free gift that comes from God. And so David, looking at all these things, was thinking to himself, how, which way can I show my gratitude to God? And so he wrote this psalm to say in Psalm 116 verse 12. He says, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits? These are a few of the benefits that I've listed. And the Bible actually tells us that all things belong to God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17, the Bible says that God has richly given us all things to enjoy. And so everything that you enjoy in life right now is a gift. It's a benefit that comes from God. God does not restrict or does not limit the sunshine or the rain to the good and to the people who are saved only. But rather, he allows the sun to shine on everyone, even the sinner, even the one who is not saved. These are all benefits that we enjoy from God that we do not do anything to end, that money cannot end us. And so the psalmist, looking at all these things, says to himself, what shall I render to the Lord? What do I have? I was just thinking to myself, what do I have that I can give God? Assuming I decide to give God money, will my money make God richer? Would my money be something that God is going to make God a better, a better God? Does the money that I have 
be enough to make God richer? If we decide to give money to God, what do we have? How much do we have that we can just decide to pay God back? How much do we have that we can give to God and say, God, thank you. I'm just giving you this money to thank you for everything you have done and will be enough. So the psalmist says, what shall I render to the Lord? What do I have to offer God? In fact, the world that we live in now has placed so much value on money. And it's important. We need money to live in this world. But so far as spiritual things are concerned, money is of no value. Money has no use. Because the money, everything, money is limited to this life. Money is limited to this world. And even in this world, there are things that money cannot buy. And so money is not everything. So we cannot even give enough money to God and say, God, thank you. We just want to thank you with money. No. So the psalmist asks this question. Still waiting for answers. What shall I render to the Lord? When you look into your life, what do you have that you can really give God and say, God, this is what I have. I'm paying you back. Or this is what I have. This is something that I know when I give you, you will appreciate. Will our money make God richer? So God asks Israel a question. He says that I will not, when they thought that the sacrifices they were giving him were enough. In, in Psalm 50, I just want to read from verse 10. He says, for every beast of the field is mine, and the cattle of, on a thousand hill is mine. So if they think that bringing a sacrifice to God, taking a lamb and then put, putting it on the altar and burning fire and just saying, God, I'm bringing you a sacrifice, was enough for God to just keep him quiet or to just say, I have settled God by bringing my sacrifice. And God wanted to remind them that the cattle, the cattle on the thousand hill belong to me. So if I was hungry, I will not come to you. If you think that you are using your sacrifice to feed God, God was reminding the people of Israel that if I were hungry, no, I will not ask you because the cattle on the thousand hill belongs to me. Today, we can also say, even though today we don't give sacrifices like they used to do in the, in the past, but everything in this world belongs to God. All the money in, the, in any bank belongs to God. And so how much can we give to God to say this is enough? This is enough, God. This is how much we want to pay you for everything you have done for us. So the psalmist still asks this question. What shall I render unto God? Is there anything I have that I can give to God that will be enough? Maybe you decide to give him your time. But your time belongs to him already. Your life belongs to him. Your life is not your own. And so you say, okay, God, because you have done this miracle in my life, because you have done this thing, you answered my prayer, and so I am going to give you more time. Is that enough for God? What do you have that you can render to God? The psalmist asked this question as he was thinking that what way can I show my gratitude to God? He asked himself this question, what shall I render to God? So if you think that given your time, okay, I'm going to give God part of my time and that should be enough. Your life belongs to him. The Bible says there is an innumerable company of angels who sit before him, who bow before him every day and every night, giving him worship and serving him. And so if you think that your 30 minutes or 10 minutes of your day or your, your, the 10% of your day that you give to God will be enough for him as a show of your gratitude to him, then you are mistaken because they are angels 
numerous Bible says innumerable company of angels before him every time who are giving him worship. So what do we have that we can render unto the Lord? And the psalmist comes back trying to find answers to these questions. He says, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. He will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. In Psalm 116 verse 13. After he asked the question, what shall I render to the Lord for all his good benefits towards me? He comes to verse 13 and he says, I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Salvation means deliverance. Salvation means prosperity. Now, in the Old Testament, they used to have what they call drink offerings. It was a form of libation that they poured to God to give him thanks and to give him glory. When God brings victory, they set up a feast, and then they sit at the table, and they celebrate the victory that God has given them. And so there are several cups that we see in the Bible that is mentioned. We have the cup of God's indignation, which is the cup of God's wrath. When Jesus Christ was praying, he said, if it was possible, let this cup pass me by. So he was referring to something that was going to happen to him. The wrath of God that was against sin. Jesus said, if it was possible, let this cup pass me by. And so David, writing this psalm, says, what shall I render to the Lord? The next thing he tells himself is, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. So the cup of salvation was a a token of thanksgiving. It was his token of thanksgiving to God and his rejoice for the victory that God has given him. Every morning when you wake up, you must have a token of thanksgiving to God. Today, it might not be a cup or a drink or wine that we use to show show um, our, our, our gratitude to God and rejoice for the victory he has given us in life. But just our words, our thanksgiving. When you wake up in, your, in, in the morning, let there be thanksgiving in your heart. Rejoice and give God thanks because of the benefits that you will enjoy. Because of free gift of life, the benefit of another day, the benefit of nature and the things that he has done in your life. When you wake up in the morning, just say, God, I am thankful. So David says, I will take the cup of salvation and I will call on the name of the Lord. In Leviticus chapter 7, that's where they talk about all the offerings that Israel um, were supposed to, from chapter 7 onwards, it talks about all the offerings that Israel was supposed to give. And one of those offerings was Thanksgiving offering or the sacrifice of Thanksgiving. And so David says, I will take the cup of salvation. And the next thing he says is that I will call on the name of the Lord. Now, the word call in Hebrew is kara or kara, which means to call out. It also means to proclaim, to publish, and to preach. One of the things that we can do to show our gratitude to God is to tell other people about God, is to tell other people about the things that God has done in our lives. Another very effective way of of evangelism these days is to just meet your friend and tell them what God has done in your life. You meet them and say, look, I was sick, but my God has healed me. Oh, praise. And then they'll begin to ask questions. It's a way of ministering to him, ministering to um, people. 
You can tell them that I was in need of this particular thing. And I prayed to God and my God answered me. Look, look at the answer to my prayer. And through that, you are able to introduce him to your God who is doing something in your life. And so David says, I will call on the name of the Lord. That is how he says he was going to show his gratitude. He will take up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord, meaning he's proclaiming the Lord as he take up the wine, showing his gratitude to God. The next thing he will do is proclaim the name of the Lord amongst the hearers, amongst the people who were gathered. And so he says, what shall I render to the Lord? I will take up the cup of salvation, which was some form of li- um, point of libation. And he says, I will call on the name of the Lord. And so today, what you can do to show your gratitude to God is proclaim his name, publish his name, let others hear his name. When you read Genesis chapter 4 verse 20, so the Bible says, And as for said, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. And that when you come to the Greek word again, which means Korah, uh, the Greek word kwara, which means to call out, to proclaim, to publish, and to preach. So what this scripture is telling us, men began to preach. Men began to proclaim the name of the Lord. Men began to publish and tell people about the Lord. And so David says, I will call upon the name of the Lord, which means I will proclaim the name of the Lord. I will tell other people about God. So what shall I render unto the Lord? He says, I will take the cup of salvation, which is the cup of deliverance, the cup of prosperity. Say that this is the victory God has given me. I'm celebrating and rejoicing in the victory God has given me. And I will tell other people about God. And so one of the ways of giving thanks to God is presenting our bodies as a sacrifice. In the Old Testament was to present a sacrifice. In the New Testament, we do not have a sacrifice. We are not required to bring a sacrifice to God. But what we are required to do is to present our body to God. And so in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Other translation says, which is your reasonable act of worship. And so in this dispensation, we do not have a sacrifice to bring, but what we have is to present our body to God as a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, before anybody presented a sacrifice to God, it had to be dead. The animal had to be dead. And so sacrifice in this day, the Bible says it's a living sacrifice. It's not a dead sacrifice like in the Old Testament. And so when you come to Romans chapter 6, the Bible says in the same way, count yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So we are dead to sin and we are alive to righteousness. That is how we present ourselves as a living we present our body as a living sacrifice it is a form of gratitude now i wanted to talk about yeah seven the servants first and in verse 16 david said oh lord truly i am your servant i am your servant the son of your maid servant you have loosed my bounds Psalm 116 verse 16 the psalmist called himself he declared that i'm a servant 
I serve you. And that is how he is presenting himself to God. He said, I am a servant by birth and I am a servant by redemption. I am your servant through birth and through redemption. Now, in those days, there were two ways that people were going to become servants. First, by birth. And so if, um, if somebody has a servant and the servant gives birth, the child becomes the servant of the, um, the one who owns the, um, the initial servant. It means that the parent, uh, if your parents are serving somebody, then you become the servant of that person as well. And so David said, I am a servant by, the, by birth, which means my parents are serving you and they, they gave birth to me to also serve you. Now, I even went, I even go another step or a step further to say that I am a servant who you have acquired through redemption because you have loosed my bounds. And so those days, when somebody saw a servant that they liked, they could purchase that servant, buy that servant from another person. And so when the person has bought the servant and the person decides that, okay, even though I've paid the price for, for you, I've paid the price to your master, I have decided to set you free. You can go. Don't serve you are not you know you are not required to serve me and you're not required to serve your master because I've paid the price. I've paid the price for your freedom. And so such a servant decides that yes, though you have paid the price for my freedom, I am still going to serve you. And so even though you have redeemed me from my master's hand, I am going to use my freedom to serve you. That is the kind of relationship we have with Jesus Christ. That paints a picture of one of the relationships. or, or the, That's one of the ways we can paint a picture of the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. We were slaves and servants to sin. But Christ came, paid the price for our freedom. And he expects us to willingly, through the freedom that he has given us, say that you have freed me from the power of sin. You have freed me from the power of death and from the power of Satan. And I'm going to use my liberty to serve you. You have set us free from the requirement of the law. And I am not going to use the, the liberty to, for, to satisfy and gratify my flesh. But I'm going to use that liberty to serve you. And so David says, I am a servant through birth, by birth. And I am a servant through redemption. You have set me free. And because you have set me free, I have decided out of my own free will that I will serve you. In Romans chapter 14, verse 8, the Bible says, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we belong to God. When you have this understanding that you belong to God no matter what happens in your life. Whether you are alive here on earth and you are, or you are not on earth, you belong to God. This understanding sets you free from the fear of death because you belong to God. Knowing very well that you belong to God in death or in life, you are a better person and you will be at a better place. You have no fear at all for that because the power of death has been broken over your life and death has no power over you but you belong to God no matter what happens to you this sets you free from the fear of death and so the psalmist says that I am a servant in a bit to think about how he can 
what he has to render unto God. He realized that every material thing that he has is useless. Every material things that he has cannot make up for the things that God has done in his life. So he asked himself, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefit? He says, one, I will lift up the cup of salvation and I will call upon the name of the Lord. The next thing he says is that I will serve God. I am going to serve God willingly. In verse 18, I know that I've skipped some verses, but I'll come back to it. He says, I will pay my vows to the Lord. Now in the presence of all his people, in the court of his house, in the midst of old Jerusalem, praise the Lord. He says, I will make a conscious effort to make good every promise that I give to God. In those days, they made vows, they made a lot of vows to God as a way of demonstrating their commitment to God, as a way of demonstrating the fact that when God answers their prayer, this is what they are going to bring to God. And David says, I will make good all the vows that I've, I've made to you, I have promised you. If, I've, if I make a vow that I'm going to serve you, if I make a vow that I'm going to follow you, you are the Lord of my life then I'll make you this vow. Vows in those days were like debts. They were not just like promises, but they were debts. And it was better not to vow at all than to vow and not pay. So David says, I will make I will make good of my vow. I will settle my vow to the Lord. And he says, in the court of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, Jerusalem. He says, before everyone in Jerusalem, before all the people, before Everyone around, I am going to praise the Lord. He says, I am going in the midst of, in the court of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. He says that he will make, he will redeem his vow and he will praise God publicly. And so in conclusion, when David asked himself, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits? He says, I will thank God. Beloved, we don't have anything to offer God. We can never pay God back. It's not like when somebody does a good thing for you and you say, I owe you one. One day when you are also in need, I'll be there for you. God is never in need. There is nothing that we have that God needs. And so the only thing we can do is to be thankful to him. You see, as long as we live here on earth, there might be things that we are still looking forward to. Things that we are still expecting to happen in our lives. Things that we are believing and hoping and trusting God to see happen in our life that have not yet happened. As long as we are alive today and we have breath in us, there is always that thing that we are expecting God to do in our life. But unfortunately, we allow those things to steal our, th our thanksgiving. And we are not able to appreciate and thank God for the things that he has done in our life. And so in conclusion, trying to answer the question, trying to be thoughtful about the things that he can give to God, he comes to the conclusion that I will thank God. And so let's reach that conclusion. There is nothing we can give God but to be continuously thankful for the things that he has done for us. As a church, there are things that we are expecting to happen that have not happened. There are prayers that we are praying that we are expecting God to answer that he's not yet answered. Does that mean we have to be 
ungrateful to him does that mean that we have to quarrel and be angry with god how can a man even be angry with the one who created him with the one who owns his life with the one who has freely given him life to enjoy and so david says reaching trying to reach a conclusion of what can he render to god he comes to that conclusion saying that i will thank god the next thing he says is i will praise him Let's continue to praise God. Let's express our gratitude and our praise to God. Let's worship Him and adore Him for who He is, for His majesty. Not because God lacks praises, not because God lacks worship. Because the Bible tells us in the presence of God right now, there are numerous angels who are worshiping Him. But God delights in the praise of His people. He delights in our praise. The Bible tells us that we are created for his good pleasure. And so our pursuit should be to bring God the greatest pleasure. And so let's praise his name. Let's worship him. The next thing we can do is to serve him. David says that he's a servant by birth and he's a servant through redemption. We have become servants through redemption. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins. He paid the price for our freedom. And now that we have freedom, we decide that through our freedom and the liberty that we have, we are going to serve God. We are going to worship God. We are going to spend time with him. We are going to use our time, our talent, and our treasure to serve his purpose and to promote his cause. And so David trying to find out how he can show his gratitude to God. He says, I will serve God. The last thing that we see from the psalm and from the, 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 the passage that I read is that I will proclaim his name. I will proclaim his name. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts that God never leaves himself without a witness. In every generation, God has a witness in that generation. And so when you read from the book of Genesis, the reason why God selected, when you read from the Old Testament, the reason why God selected the Israelite was to make known his name. Was to make known his name. And so that was the purpose that God selected Israel. To show the other nations that Israel had a God that they were serving. In these days, that has not changed. We are a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy nation. That we should show forth the glory of him who has brought us out of this, out of darkness and brought us into his marvelous light. So beloved, one reason why we are still alive today is to make known the name of the Lord, is 